again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to Think Again on Radical Community Radio 3CR. Think Again is offered by Borderlands Cooperative, an organization that has been dedicated to positive social change for over 25 years. I'm Jacques Poulet, and sorry for the noise, which is sort of going around in the studio. As Jennifer, after three interviews in the previous three weeks, because uh, I was too busy. She has a day off today. I'm talking with Matt Lloyd Cape from Per Capita, a think tank and research group we have had been happy to talk with a few times in the past. Matt is just arriving, and uh, he is just entering in the studio. So welcome, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm okay. So he's just putting up his whole gear. I am. Sorry I'm late. I um, started my car this morning and then nothing happened. So oh, my goodness. Happened to it's the, been a bit of a dash. Happens to the best of us. <laughs> uh, I think you're on. Yes, you're online. Great. So welcome. Uh, on Tuesday, we've had the sort of rather long-awaited, and with, for some of us, with bated breath awaited, uh, first real budget delivered by the, and I call it delivery now, all the time, by the still rather new treasurer to the presumably eager nation. And uh, given all the leaks and the four leaks and the expectant guesses and hypotheticals, which were spread during the weeks before the delivery of that budget, one may be forgiven to be a bit confused and to mix up fact and fiction, promise and reality, and especially one may wonder what the effects of it all are going to be. In the past, we've had some rather negative things and low expectations, mm. which we shared with our listeners about the budget show and about all of this, well, meandering kind of an event, which it is. But this is a new government, so we thought, well, for many of us, the big hoorays after it was delivered around the first balanced budget since PM Howard, even without some bil- with some billions in surplus, whatever that may mean against the half a trillion we're losing from the national kitty to buy nuclear subs and to, and to not do away with the, with the remaining tax cuts for the rich. For many of us, we have more urgent questions to ask to ask about unaffordable housing, scandalously low Centrelink payments, the price of lettuce, and the price of getting sick. And of course, whether we're going to get really serious about global warming and such things. So Matt, thanks for being with us. And again, I should say, because this is, I think, the third. I think so, yeah. yeah. The third time. And again, to help us out with this thinking. So first of all, in an understandable lay terms, which I know you're capable of because you have done it the, the other two times for us, what in your social economist general assessment of Albanese and Chambers' first attempt 
at wriggling the Australian economy and politics out of its neoliberal stupor. Yeah, I think that's a really good framing um, that we're sort of taking our first step away from this very long neoliberal era. You know, we thought we were going to see the end of the neoliberal era after the 2007-8 financial crisis. It didn't quite happen. And so um, we've been going down this road of mean social spending, big bungs for big companies, a failure to invest in government services, and even a failure of belief in the role of government in society more generally. So I think um, what you, the way you frame it is that, yeah, we are slowly turning this very big tanker of the economy around. I think there's ambition for more structural changes, but this budget seems to be more we um, take a pause, mm -hmm. we retract some of those more uh, dubious uh, budget elements that we've seen in the mm -hmm. past, mm -hmm. um, and that we show, and the government seems to be showing, you know, we're, we're competent economic managers, mm -hmm. we can raise job seeker while returning a surplus, even though many of us think that there's a long way to go mm. in terms of changing yeah. the economy yeah. more thoroughly. Yeah, in all of this, I keep thinking, what is, what is it that they mean uh, with balance? What, what is it that they have balanced? Because the situation is very unbalanced in a society like ours. Yeah. With, uh, on the one hand, the, the super-rich who have too much, way too much, and the many, many more poor who have way too little. So if... That's a very strong imbalance. So what are we going to balance here? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and four, four billion either way. You know, if, yeah. if we do get to a surplus, we don't know yet That's right. that we've got a surplus. If we do end up with a four billion surplus or four billion deficit, it's neither here nor there, yeah. really. You know, it doesn't mm. really mean much. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think the way that I see it is that, you know, you can't just slam on the handbrake on the direction of travel that the economy's been going mm -hmm. in. There will, it's a big lumbering beast, and we've got to try and turn this huge mm -hmm. tanker around. Mm -hmm. um, and at the moment when you start to turn a tanker around, there's a moment of pause. Yeah, You're right. not going in either direction, mm -hmm. and then you head off in a new direction. Yeah. So yeah. That, I think that's the sort of my assessment beast, overall. And if it, if it would happen in Port Phillip Bay, it's a small bay. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> indeed. And we're a relatively small economy that's in the right. global context. Totally. We've totally. got strong headwinds exactly. coming from the US, from China, from the well, Ukraine and Russia. Yep. So I think a bit of timidity and caution mm. was actually probably the right yeah. way to go. It seems like a careful assessment of a first careful and still risk-averse move, in my opinion. But let's have a look at some of the detail. How about housing affordability and homelessness? Was there any, what are the prospects there? Mm, it's Yeah, so this is obviously an area close to my heart. My new role at per capita is the director of the Centre for Equitable Housing. We're a new centre looking just at housing affordability and housing-related issues. So obviously this is something I was really hoping to see big change in. Now, what we did see is, maybe we'll go through the things we did see first, and then we can talk about what we want to see after that. So it, we, we had a 15% increase in the Commonwealth Rent Assistance. So that means an extra $30 increase per fortnight at the maximum rate of payment. of. So it's going from $185 to $225. Lots of people are seeing their rents go up um, more than 15%. Um, we know, my colleague at Per Capita had an 80% rental increase um, notice sent to him a, a few weeks back. Um, but I guess it's, it's a bit confused because the average rate of increase is around 5%. If you look at the um, increase in the CPI, so the, the rental component in the CPI is going up 5% as mm -hmm. of last month. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're not seeing 
everyone getting the, the increase they need, but a lot of people will be seeing the increase that they need. Mm-hmm. It's still low, um, but it's a very expensive program. We're talking about $7.5 billion now. And personally, I'd much prefer to see more money going out the door towards public housing than increasing Commonwealth rent assistance. Mm-hmm. Commonwealth, I th- the way I see Commonwealth rent assistance is we need it for now uh, until we've rebuilt our capacity in the public housing mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did we see? We saw $1.6 billion in the energy savings plan. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. is to provide low-cost loans um, for people to upgrade their houses through uh, solar, double-glazing, insulation, mm-hmm. these kind of um, environmental impact as well as energy bill impact areas, which are really useful. So that should help out around 110,000 homeowners um, or households, rather. And then we've seen a further $300 billion invested in um, social housing upgrading. Mm-hmm. So that should do around... Mm-hmm. Should do around seven, eight, nine percent of social housing stock, in improving their energy performance. Mm-hmm. And for people in that social housing, like having a d- deduction in your heating mm-hmm. bill or cooling mm-hmm. bill is really important. So that's great. Um, there are some other areas in build to rent which are quite relatively small, um, and we've seen changes to the um, home guarantee scheme. So non de facto couples can now enter that. So mm-hmm. um, friends can enter the home guarantee scheme and buy a house mm-hmm. with government protection. Um, so that all good things, clearly these are not by themselves going to solve the housing crisis. Mm-hmm, of course and mm-hmm. as we've spoken about before, you know, this is a crisis 40 years in the making. Um, so it, again, it's a huge, big monolith. Um, you know, it's a really tricky area to turn around in one go. The government's very clearly um, looking for different ways through the, um, we've got the housing accord, which is aiming to get private sector institutional investment in. That's an ongoing process. And we also have um, the new National Housing and Homelessness homelessness Agreement, um, which is being debated in August. So I'm hoping we're going to see a bigger package for housing as Mm -hmm. the year develops. And obviously, we have to fix this fight with the Greens over the Housing Australia Future Fund. But again, I don't think um, we're going to see sharp turnarounds. We're going to have to see incremental changes to change the narrative mm-hmm. about government's role in mm-hmm. providing housing for mm-hmm. people. Yes, just very quickly before we have a break, what about the reluctance to invest in public housing? Mm. What, what's behind that? Uh, so part of the problem is that they don't want to be seen as splashing too much cash in this first major budget. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Part of it is that we have gotten rid of nearly, well, we've gotten rid of most of our Commonwealth um, land mm-hmm. exactly. and uh, state yeah, land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's much harder to build now than it was 20 years ago, much more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one way to overcome this would be to improve our stock. So most, although we see these big tower blocks and we think public housing equals tower blocks, actually most public housing is single-story or two-story yes, dwellings. It is, it is. So improving those and rebuilding on existing land is one way through that mm-hmm. particular problem. But mm-hmm. that means you're, getting, you're removing stock mm-hmm. at the same time as you're trying yeah. to increase stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is a problem. And I, I, I want to see a new narrative on this. I think the government's, their aim is to take the country with them. And that mm-hmm. means mm-hmm. engaging, not, not just throwing cash and then having it overturned at the next election, but engaging in a, in a sensible debate about yeah. What role does housing have mm-hmm. in society? Yeah, for me, the absence is in all of this is actually, it still sits in that dichotomy between private and public. Ideal being everyone should have their own dream house. Mm. Uh, on the other side, public is not that good. It's sort of, you know, where all the problem people live. Yeah. But in 
between that space, there's actually, internationally speaking, a lot of alternatives. There's cooperative housing, there's yeah. uh, common equity housing, there's all of those kinds of things. Why, why are we never really deliberately look at these as we did in the end 70s? Yeah, because, I, and this is one of the ironies, right? Like mm-hmm. in the 70s, our, we had our highest rates of home ownership. Mm-hmm. So in, this, in seven, 72 or something percent of Australians yes, owned their own yes, home. Yes. During that time, the government was building a vast amount of houses, mm-hmm. huge mm-hmm. amounts of houses, mm-hmm. um, public as well as um, subsidized exactly. houses for sale. And, and at the time, we had something like probably like 30 percent of renters were public renters. And mm-hmm. now we're down to about 8 percent of renters are public renters. So if, if you want to achieve that goal... You know, the government has to still build public housing right. to to allow oh, yeah, people yeah, to yeah. then get into the private rent, uh, private purchase market anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, it's quite. Anyway, to have that sink in a little bit, let's actually go to a meet. I think a quite appropriate uh, little song. <laughs> to think again on 3CR, 3CR Radical Radio with, as you meanwhile will know, 855am on your dial, 
3CR Digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about the budget again. We have Matthew Lloyd Cape from Per Capita back in the studio. Well, for the first time in the studio because mm. previously we were just uh, whatever We did it was. lockdown <laughs> ones, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And apart from the more sensationalist chatter about surpluses and such, we're interested in what the budget promises for the causes we care about. And we talked about housing before the break. So, Matt, and the prospects for low-income low earners and those on welfare payments, are they allowed to look forward to sizable and meaningful improvements in their situation? Meanwhile, the entire non-government welfare and community services sector seems to have unite, united to call for more support. So what's your verdict? Mm, well, I suppose there are two slightly separate issues there. One is the low-income workers, mm-hmm. um, and one is the uh, recipients of welfare payments. Mm-hmm. So let's take the first one first. We saw a big package in the budget for um, aged care workers, mm-hmm. and we saw a, uh, I think it was a $1.6 billion package for training for child, early education child, childhood mm-hmm. workers. So there's some something in the budget for them. Clearly, wages is a big part of the problem, yes. and has been for a long time. Yes, We've yes, had yes. Roughly a decade of uh, very little wage growth, if any. Probably um, actually the opposite, eh? Yeah, particularly mm-hmm. for low-income workers, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. we've seen, you know, we've seen stagnant wages, but if you break that figure down, then mm-hmm. people on higher wages have seen a little growth, and people on the bottom have seen less. Mm-hmm. Now, wages is a big part of the problem. It's a big part of the rental affordability crisis exactly. as well, right? Because actually, rents have been inc- increasing less than wages for nearly mm-hmm. for ten mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like that if your wages are constantly barely bu- keeping up with inflation doesn't feel like that. Mm-hmm. So that's one side of the problem. I think you know most economists are predicting that we'll see a wage bounce this year. Mm-hmm. The Treasury's been <laughs> predicting a wage bounce for, for nearly uh, six, seven years now, and we haven't seen one yet. But um, uh, most sort of ma- mainstream and left-wing economists, I think, now are saying that we probably will see a bump in, in wages because of the record low unemployment, you know, mm-hmm. decades-long mm-hmm. um, low rate. So hopefully we will see some movement on wages, and clearly the government's not afraid, as the previous government was, to have wage growth in sectors, particularly feminised sectors like aged care, childcare, and so on, where mm-hmm. the wages have been mm-hmm. lagging for so long. No, you call it afraid, but the previous government, I'm not sure whether it was fear. Well, it was yeah. more conviction. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> conviction's the word, yeah. Um, so we've, we've definitely seen a change in direction there, I think, and I hope that we'll see some wage growth start to kick in soon. Um, hopefully just the, the bare mechanism of low unemployment mm. should, should increase mm. um, that. Uh, when it comes to the um, rates for job seeker, youth mm. allowance, yep. um, it wasn't at what? the community was asking for. You know, the, the advocacy Certainly community not. was asking for a raise to $76 a day or $88 a day. Uh, and what we got was um, we got the base rate is currently $49.50 and we got a $2.85 a day increase. It's almost insulting. Yeah, well, you know, we... Uh, it's it's a challenging area, I think, because the government wanted to play this twin... They wanted to block the political objections from the left... Mm-hmm. Uh, and the right, and they wanted to say, "Look, we've produced a surplus, and we've lifted the rates." Now mm-hmm. they've they've annoyed both sides, right? Totally. We've got um, we've got Dutton coming on the radio today and saying immigrants are ruining housing, and and people getting job seeker payments will ruin, uh, cause inflation, making homeowners pay more on their mortgages. Echoing Pauline Hanson. Exactly. Absolutely disgusting stuff. Mm-hmm. So clearly, this was a more of a political decision than it was one based on their own advisory group, which said yeah, a significant increases yes, needed. Exactly. Whether this is um, 
enough for, for now politically is one thing. Whether it's enough um, for people's pockets is another, I think. So at Per Capita, we've supported the Raise the Rate campaign, which is to $76 yeah, 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 a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there are challenges in this whole area, which is that um, the current pension is $69.40 a day. Mm-hmm. So going further than the pension causes some tensions there. So there will have to be some rejigging of not just – it will have to be rejigging of minimum wage, of various mm-hmm. benefits. You can't just do the one without affecting all of the others. Exactly. Yeah, right? yeah. So I think there's, there's some serious issues there. And it, I'm hoping that we will see in the future a, a more significant tax and spend overhaul, mm-hmm. reducing mm-hmm. the burden on income tax mm-hmm. and increasing our – Resource mm-hmm. rents, for example, would be the obvious yeah, one. Yeah, and, and do the, the, the release on the income tax more equitably rather than mostly to the upper end. Well, if yeah, mm. I, I don't want to even talk about stage three because it <laughs> makes my brain explode. But um, yeah, I think, again, going back to the wages side of things, that's the area that I would like to see most change mm-hmm. take place. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we really need to get wages moving. And that's not just a benefit. Like we've, one of the most amazing things about this budget is that we had all these extra revenues come in. Mm-hmm. And a good, mm-hmm. most, like a good chunk of that was from increased employment. So that's we had right. all these extra income tax receipts right. that allowed us to make these changes. And it really shows that if you know, we, we at Per Capita support a full employment economony, mm-hmm. not full employment, which mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. Uh, 5% yeah. unemployed. But let's push it as far as we can mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to drive down mm-hmm. unemployment to rates that's that, right. you know, in the past, we've seen rates of 1.5% in Australia that's right. for years and years without inflation. Changed it in the 70s, didn't it? That's right. Mm. So these are p- part of, there are big structural changes that need to take place. Clearly, um, there's a lot of anger in the community about job seeker rates. And we ho- I'm mm-hmm. hopeful mm-hmm. that that will keep on ratcheting up. Um, but let's see. Let's get those wages going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you already referred to childcare, and uh, we know that childcare has been a prime policy and a strategic focus for the government, and particularly also as they then usually traditionally bring women in as the traditional carers, which mm. is a little bit out of time, but anyway. Yeah. So while still in opposition, they actually were very strong about that. So how has that turned out in the budget? Yeah, it's interesting. I think we have moved on from those blokey budgets mm-hmm. that we've mm-hmm. seen in recent years. Mm-hmm. I think it was 2021 and my former colleague, Abigail Lewis, um, yeah. who's been on this yeah. show, I believe, she pointed out that the female economic inclusion package received less than the recycling package in the budget. Yes. You know, there was a real like insulting level of investment in women's, women and women-related industries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a, bit, a major turnaround here. Um, I think that we're seeing a rebalancing of the budgets towards... Uh, more gender equity. It's uh, you know many many leagues away from true gender equity in our economy. Yes. But this um, childcare subsidy, increasing the childcare subsidy from eighty-five to ninety percent of um, costs for families earning less than eighty thousand mm-hmm. per year—that's mm-hmm. a good mm-hmm. start. Um, we've seen the treasurer announce that one point six billion package for early childhood educators, mm-hmm. um, and that sector is crying out for you know. There's generally a trend that. If you formalize someone's skills and give mm-hmm. it a give mm-hmm. it a piece of paper, then people end, end up getting paid more. That's you right. know, exactly. and what we tend to think of is well, in traditional economic literature, people talk about unskilled labor, and often childcare is lumped into that as though it was an easy thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I, I took three years out of the workforce to raise my kids. Um, it's way harder than what I do right now. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, you know, tell you that for. A, for nothing it was um been there done that. yeah it's the hardest thing i've ever done you know mm. and i've also worked in a, in aged care you know and people don't realize that the compassion 
the the needs of people, like the emotional needs of people, it's, mm-hmm. it's incredibly difficult mm-hmm. to to do that in a professional way. And you can't put dollar signs on it. Well, they tend they've tended not to. You know, maybe we <laughs> need to start doing that. And mm-hmm. so, hopefully, this announcement to increase um, the wages of mm-hmm. aged care workers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to recognise the skills of early childhood yep. educators yep. is, is mm-hmm. a big step in that direction. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Oh, and one other thing as well, actually, was um, the combination of paid parental leave. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes, yes. So this, we know that men don't take their full chunk of paid parental leave. No, um, it's, there's, there's a cultural stigma around it. So combining the uh, paid parental leave, which is 26 weeks um, on the minimum wage, should allow for a bit more balance, balance mm-hmm. between the genders when it yeah. comes to childcare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Finally, because we are running out of time, in a nutshell, some of your th- thoughts on health especially mental health and disability especially the ndis which has been sort of been said to me to, to on the one hand mean all things for everyone but on the other has been also been screamed about that it is not going to be payable after a couple of years mm. so uh, the cost blowouts which we are being sort of warned against yeah. What, what's your thoughts? Well, we did some work on this a few years yeah, ago, yeah. and um, we noted that, um, well, firstly, it's not a cost, it's an investment. You know, wh- mm-hmm. what we're doing is investing in people um, who have specific needs. Often those people can then return to, if we want to, like, be economists about this, we can say, you know, once we've um, dealt with the needs of a person, we can often get them back into the workforce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. one of the big areas where we'll see sort of an economic bounce from NDIS investment. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, we want to see, um, just <laughs> as human beings, we want to see people happier, healthier, and leading more uh, enjoyable lives. Mm. So there's, the, there's a reason to invest regardless. But also, you know, we, we found that for every dollar that is invested in the NDIS, the economy grows by about $2.25. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, it's really important that people know that it, these are investments and not just pure costs. It's mm-hmm. the same with public housing. You know, for every dollar you spend on public housing, the economy grows by $2. Mm-hmm. You get people in the right place, paying a rent that they can afford, yep. and so on. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I don't think that this um, scare tactics around the NDIS are particularly useful. There was, um, mm. you know, talk of cuts from the Greens. There was talk of blowout from the Liberals. I'm fairly comfortable where it is mm-hmm. at the moment with mm-hmm. the NDIS. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Peter Dutton came out today and said they were going to double mental health um, uh, treatments um, if they, in their dream budget. I'm unsure why they didn't do that in their last budget or their last <laughs> ten many, budgets. Many budgets. Yeah. yeah. Many, um, yeah. Uh, I think the evidence from the uh, the advisory committee on mental health was to keep it at 10 for now mm-hmm. uh, until there's more capacity in the system to allow for mm-hmm. mental health mm-hmm. treatment. So not everything we want, balanced, but that's a budget, right? They're not yeah. aiming to please that's you right. and me yeah. Yeah. Um, in inner city Melbourne. Yeah. They're aiming to please mm-hmm. the, the, the mm-hmm. people across the country. Yeah. And there is that stuff around uh, preparing for the next election and the next uh, whatever it is called yeah certainly seems that way yeah yeah Yeah. well hopefully we'll see some major structural reforms i hope hope that people understand that that strategy yeah fingers crossed fingers (laughs) crossed rather than a promise yeah (sighs) we have come to the end of our program and per usual way too fast so after all the talk about social and community services which we have just done we really don't have much else to say about community service announcements uh thank you so much Dear Matt, for uh, sharing your deeper understanding, deeper than mine certainly, uh, of our economic and social, or the economic and the social aspects of the budget and what it promises, but also what it hides. Well, thanks for having me. 
So thanks for listening to Think Again, dear listeners, on 3CR Community Radio with me, Jacques, and with Matt Lloyd Cape from Per Capita. Remember, if you want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email Borderlands, borders at borderlands.org.au. Just put Think Again in the subject line. Our programs are available by podcast via your preferred uh, podcast app and on the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. Stay tuned now for the following program, Jailbreak, which gives a voice to prison inmates, their families and friends. To bring us in this program, we have, as usually, Milkamana by Stingray to sound us out. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.